Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. All right, y'all. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Today is considered one of the best days of the year, one of the best Sundays of the year, and I wouldn't disagree. However, I think Easter Sunday is the best Sunday of the year. However, this year, y'all, listen, make your plans. Make your plans for December 25th this year. It's on a Sunday, so we get two best Sundays of the year with Easter Sunday and Christmas Sunday this year. So make your plans to be here Christmas Sunday. I'm telling you now because I know Christmas is busy and crazy and Christmas Day is that much more busy and that much more crazy. But can I just say this and then we'll get started? Don't let the birth of Jesus Christ, don't let the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, be the reason that you do not come to church. Amen. Now listen, you may have to reorganize, you may have to reschedule, you may have to move some stuff around, you may have to get up a little earlier, stay up a little later in the evening. So do we, okay? We got two kids, we got to do it too. I get it. But what a better place to be on Christmas morning than here in the Lord's house. Amen. I wish, I said this a couple years ago, I wish in our culture um, that we, like we went to church on Christmas morning, even if it's a Tuesday. I wish church was a part of our Christmas morning. It'd be sweet. So we have that opportunity this coming year uh, in December. Is anybody looking forward to December? No, Pat is, that's it. <laughs> let's get through the summertime first, y'all. Let's, uh, let's get our shorts and flip-flops and tans on. Uh, then we'll worry about, about Christmas time. All right, y'all. So today's Super Bowl Sunday. I got some Super Bowl facts I want to share with you real quickly about the Super Bowl. Um, you know how much the cheapest ticket is to get into the Super Bowl game today? What? 48 66 6000 did you check? My man. Uh, you know how much the most expensive ticket was? 12000 Come on, Luke. Come on, Luke. <laughs> 104. I'd bring my own at-home test and fake it if you need to. You know, uh, you know they do the coin toss at the beginning of each game? There's been 55 Super Bowls. You know how many times it's been on tails? 29, over, is that over half? Yes, that's over half. Uh, <laughs> took me a second. I'm from Denton, okay? It takes us a second to work through, work through some math problems. Um, the Bengals, which are playing today, the Cincinnati Bengals, are one of 12 teams um, seeking the first, their first Super Bowl win. Can anybody name any of the other 12 teams? Panthers. Cleveland, who you got, Jeff? Buffalo, 
Detroit, Denver won, Elway's won a couple, Peyton Manning's won one. I got them listed here, y'all. Uh, yes, the Cardinals, yes. All right, we got uh, the Bengals, Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, Tennessee, Buffalo, Jacksonville, they're terrible. Uh, San Diego slash LA Chargers, Minnesota Vikings have never won a Super Bowl. Lions, the Falcons, Cardinals, Panthers, of course, have never won. Um, the Super Bowl winning team, the winning team of the Super Bowl, every player on that team gets a bonus. Would you like to guess how much the bonus is? $150,000 bonus for winning the Super Bowl. Would you like to guess how much of a bonus the losing team gets? $75,000 to lose the Super Bowl. All of a sudden, losing ain't that bad, is it? Uh, anybody having a party tonight? We are. We go to my mom and daddy's every year. Me and Tej, Callie, and now Anna Lee. We have a party. Um, on average, <laughs> this is terrible, this is so bad. On average, would you like to guess how many calories one person consumes on Super Bowl evening? Over double, over double, 8,083. Y'all better be at the gym tomorrow morning is all I'm saying. Uh, there will be over 1.4 billion chicken wings eaten tonight. And a good portion of those, I believe, will be in Denton because I made an order at Elizabeth's Pizza on Thursday on Friday for the Super Bowl party tonight, and we got 25 wings. I asked the guy, I said, you guys, have you guys taken in a lot of orders for Sunday night? He said, this was on Friday, two days before today, obviously. He said, we've had over 400 orders just for tonight. So TG and I did some quick math. If all 400 did, 25, did a 25 wing deal like we did, you know how many wings that is? Oh, y'all ain't so smart now. Y'all were laughing when I didn't know 29 was half of 55. But now, all of a sudden, I know that 25 times 400 is 10,000, and y'all don't. Boo, y'all. I just know it because I figured it up on my phone the other day. Uh, yeah, I did it on my phone. Um, there will be, today, there will be 11 million pounds of potato chips eaten this evening. 11 million pounds of potato chips. Um, what's your favorite kind of potato chip? Doritos? I like, who said Doritos? Man after my own heart. Um, like plain potato chips? Salt and vinegar people? Sour cream and onion people? I like sour cream and onion. That's maybe my favorite. I mean, I like the plain too because they're real salty sometimes, but I like the uh, sour cream and onion. Um, all this is going on. We have two teams trying, obviously, to win $150,000 extra. Um, but I think if you took that $150,000 away from them and you just gave them a seven-pound Super Bowl trophy, I think these guys would be just as happy. These guys will be working their rear ends off tonight, doing everything possible, trying to play the best football, be the best athlete, be the smartest player, just so they can win a seven-pound piece of silver that they can take a picture with and hold it up over their head tonight. Um, they're going to be, they do get rings. By the way, do you know how much the average Super Bowl ring costs? For one ring. 
dang, Chelsea, what kind of ring are you getting? $35,000 per Super Bowl ring. Um, I also read that the team, now the team doesn't pay for that. The NFL chips in on that too. Um, and so uh, they get, I can't remember how, over, they get like close to 100 rings because you got like 50 some players, then you got the people that work there, all that stuff. The most ever spent was the New England Patriots a couple years ago. Uh, their owner spent 37,000 per ring, uh, per Super Bowl ring. So, um, but they're fighting like crazy tonight for a ring, $35,000 ring, um, and for a seven pound trophy and to be the champion. Are you waving or what you doing, bro? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I read it, but I didn't write it down. I can't remember. Not 11 million pounds. Uh, okay. So the point of me sharing all this was, one, because I think it's halfway interesting how many chicken wings are going to be eaten tonight. Um, and two, was to tell you this. Um, these boys are going to be fighting for that win tonight. Um, my guess is there's probably things in your life that you want just as bad as these guys want that Super Bowl win tonight. There's probably things in your life today that you will do anything for, that you will go to great lengths to get, that you will tackle, that you will grab and hold, and you will do anything possible to achieve a certain goal or to achieve a milestone in your life. So my question today is what is that in your life? And my hope is, my prayer is, that the answer has something to do with people. My hope is, and my prayer is, is that the answer has something to do with people. Remember we said last week that the only thing here on earth that we're taking to heaven with us is what? The only thing here on earth that we're taking to heaven with us is what? People, people, people. The Super Bowl trophy is not going to be in heaven when we get there. Those $35,000 rings are not going to be in heaven when we get there. You know what will be in heaven when I get there? Ken. Scarlet. Hopefully Hubbard. <laughs> Hopefully Hubbard. I think you'll get there, but you never know about some people. There'll be some Duke fans there. Unbelievable, true, but it's, it's possible. The only thing that goes to heaven with us is people. Can I tell you today, there are two things worth fighting for in your life today. Now listen, it's fine, it's fine, it's okay, it's understandable if we work really hard at our job, because we should work really hard at our job, right? We would need to work hard, we need the paycheck to take care of stuff in our life, all that is fine and wonderful and part of responsibility and part of being an adult too, right? It's just what we do. Can I tell you though that there's two things worth absolutely fighting for today. There's two things worth pushing everything else aside. There's two things worth, worth leaving everything else alone to achieve. And those two things, one is the person sitting beside you and the people in your life today. They are what's worth fighting for because they are the only thing that you see today that will be in eternity. I don't care if they look good or look bad. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, or brown. Doesn't matter, young, old, rich, poor, the people beside of you, the people in your neighborhood, the people at your job, the people at Walmart, those people that are eating those 1.4 billion chicken wings today are worth fighting for because they are the only thing that we can take with us from this place into heaven. Amen? The second thing worth fighting for is you. 
is you. Because guess what? If Ken goes to heaven without me, that don't do me one bit of good. Right? Ken's worth fighting for. We've got to make sure we're worth fighting for as well. So what I want to talk about today is fighting for our faith. Fighting for our faith. You ever have times in your life where your faith maybe is not that important, where maybe your faith isn't as high as it once was, maybe your faith isn't as such a priority in your life today as it was at one time? Can you talk to me this morning? Yes. I have with me this morning a very high-tech graph that I drew. I don't know much about math or graphs. What is this kind of graph called? Line graph? Is that right? Yes. I'm from Denton. All right, y'all. This is what this graph represents. (laughs) So we have this side of the graph. This part represents a spiritual low. This part represents a spiritual high. We have right here year 2000. Why year 2000? Because that's when I first met the Lord. That's when I first sought the Lord for forgiveness in the basement of Denton Westland Church in Scott Simmons' office. That's where he shared the gospel with me. That's where I believed in the Lord for the first time. And so then we got some years all the way up to 2022. Can I tell you how the enemy wants you to believe that your life and your spiritual highs and spiritual lows should be? Can I tell you how the enemy wants you to believe it? The enemy wants you to believe you meet the Lord here and you're on a spiritual high. And then from, that, from 2000 until 2022, we're always on a spiritual high. Is that anybody in here? Didn't think so. If anybody ever tells you this, don't tell them this, but they're lying. They're not telling you the truth. Can I tell you what, what my spiritual life looked like? In 2000, we met the Lord. Remember the first time you met the Lord? Remember that? Larry, where were you at when you first met the Lord? Remember what year was it? Remember what year you first met the Lord? Long time ago. Long time ago. So, Rochelle, when did you first meet the Lord? I want a year. Eighty-eight. I was seven. I love eighty-eight. I love eighty-eight. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ed, what year did you first meet the Lord? Where were you at? Yeah. Really? Sweet, huh? Sweet. I was eighteen. Year two thousand. May twenty-eighth, actually, in the basement of Denton Westland Church. And I remember I uh, got down on my knees. I prayed a prayer that I was led through, praying to God, asking God to forgive me of my sin, praying that I confess Jesus with my mouth and I believe in my heart and I'm trusting him with my life. And I walked out of Denton Westland Church that day, felt wonderful. My heart, I didn't know it at the time, learned later through scripture, that my heart was brand new. I was a brand new person. The old has gone like we read about last week, and the new has come. I was a brand new person walking out of that church that I was going into that church a couple of minutes earlier. That is 
here. That's a spiritual high. You know what a spiritual high is, right? When it's easy to live a Christian life, when reading your, your word, when reading the word comes easy, when prayer comes easy, when loving the hard to love people comes easy, when forgiving people when they do you wrong, when that stuff comes easy, that's a spiritual high. Now, here's what happened in my life. And if I had to guess, yours would be pretty, pretty similar. We're up here, spiritual high for a little while. And then all of a sudden something happens. Then we come here and then we go backwards and then we come up and around and then we're down. Uh, then we're up here and things are going good. Then things are going great. Then all of a sudden something else really bad happens. Then you get to 2020, <laughs> right? Then you get to one of the toughest years that we've had um, in, a, in a while. And maybe for you, your spiritual life was down here. And then it started to come back up. And maybe today, maybe you're up here. Maybe you're here in the middle. Or maybe you find your spiritual life down here at the bottom, Either way, today I want to share with you a couple things of how we can go from here to here. How we can fight for our faith to get our spiritual lows to become a spiritual high. Does anybody else Christian life look like this or just mine? Yeah, yeah. Can we be honest? We are all down here sometime. That's okay. That's okay. That doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. That doesn't mean you're not a good person. That doesn't mean you're not a good parent. That don't mean you're not a good husband or a good wife. Doesn't mean you're not a good believer. Doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. All that means is you're in a different place than you've been before. But what that also means is we have the opportunity to get back to a spiritual high. Amen? We're going to look at a couple examples in Scripture of people who were on spiritual highs and went to spiritual lows. And we're going to look at what caused it and how they got through it. Number one, we're going to look in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at Elijah. Let me read this to you, and then we'll talk about what happened. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 25 says this. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal. By the way, Baal was a false god. He had false prophets. Um, so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, the false god, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, um, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light a fire. So what uh, Elijah is saying here, we're going to have ourselves a little competition. You got your God, I've got mine. Well, you're going to get a bull, I'm going to get a bull. We're not going to light it on fire. We're going to let the God call down the fire and burn the bull. And we're going to see who's the real God and who's the fake God. I love a good biblical competition. I love a good... Any competition, any competition, actually. Um, here we see a competition. Keep reading. Verse 26, so they took the bull given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar that they had made. Verse 27, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. <laughs> Elijah's talking junk. He said, shout louder. Surely he is God. Perhaps he is in deep thought or too busy or he's, tra he's traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Elijah is talking junk to the prophets of Baal. He was saying, y'all better pick it up. Y'all ain't doing good enough. You better shout louder. Maybe Baal's too busy. Maybe Baal's out of town. 
They only got time for you today. Keep reading, verse 28. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Side note, how many times do we put our faith in places that don't show up? How many times do we put our faith and our hope in things that do not answer, that do not fulfill, that don't give us what we thought it would give us? More than once? Yeah. Keep reading. Verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. Verse 32, when the stones he built, with these stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs, that's about 11 pounds apiece, of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Now remember, they're having a burning competition here. They're trying to sacrifice the bull. They're trying to burn the bull. Whoever burns the bull wins the competition. Keep reading. Um, verse 33, he arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it. Do it a third time, he ordered them, and they did it. Why would Elijah tell them to pour water on the bull when they're having a fire competition? Yeah. You know why he's showing off? Because he knows. Keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 35. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At that time, the sacrifice... At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, which is Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, burned up the sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. So there you see the prophet Elijah with a great victory over the prophets of Baal. He basically slapped the prophets of Baal in the face through the power of God and fire and told them, boys, Baal's not God. I serve God. Spiritual high, wouldn't you say? That kind of spiritual victory in your life? Wouldn't that be sweet to see God show up in that, that manner? First Kings, my man. First Kings chapter 19. The very next chapter. Uh, scholars say that there are 40 days between First Kings 18 and First Kings 19. 40 days. Let's see what Elijah's doing 40 days later. First Kings 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. These are the prophets of Baal that we just read about. Um, so Jezebel sent a, me a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make you like that of one of them. 
Jezebel's telling him, I don't care what God does to me. I'm killing you. I'm going to kill you the same way you did then. Keep reading. Verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Forty days before, Elijah had a great victory. Forty days later, he said, I've had enough of this. He's fearful, running for his life, ready to die. He said, I'm good. Spiritual high, spiritual low. You see it? You ever been there? Look at the life of David, King David. 2 Samuel chapter 8, we read a list of all everybody that David had conquered, all the nations that David and the victories that David had in battle. 2 Samuel chapter 10, we see that David defeated the Ammonites, which was a big deal for them. 2 Samuel chapter 11, what do we see of David after coming off the spiritual high of those victories? We see David on his roof checking out a lady named Bathsheba that lives down the way. He got Bathsheba to come to his house. He slept with Bathsheba. The problem was Bathsheba was married. And so then we see David was on a spiritual high down to a spiritual low. In the New Testament, we see John the Baptist. We see John the Baptist. He's the one that has the complete honor of baptizing Jesus. He is with Jesus. He baptizes Jesus. Jesus goes under the water, comes back up. John the Baptist sees heaven open up right in front of him. He hears a voice from heaven. He sees the doves fly. He says in the Gospels, talking about Jesus, he is the chosen one. That guy. Jesus is the chosen one. Then we read in Matthew chapter 11. I want to read this to you. Matthew chapter 11 says this about John the Baptist. Chapter 11 verse 1 says this. After Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, this is John the Baptist, when John who was in prison heard about the deeds of the Messiah. This is the same John who baptized Jesus. Who confessed he's the one? He's the Messiah. He's the one. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? Odd, right? Spiritual high. He saw heaven open up for crying out loud. A couple years later, about two years later, people believe. John's in prison, and he sends his friends to go ask Jesus, are you the one that's coming, or should we wait for somebody else? Think about Jesus' last week before his crucifixion. As he entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, there were thousands of people in, in the town that day for the festival, thousands of people waving their palm branches, shouting what? Hosanna, Hosanna. Shouting Hosanna, which means glory in the highest. This is Jesus. This is the Messiah. He's coming into our town, waving their palm branches, which was a sign that Jesus was their king. One week later, these same people were in Jerusalem. What were they shouting when Jesus was standing with Pilate and Barabbas? 
crucifying the same people one week later. Spiritual high, spiritual low. You want one more? I got one more for you. Look at Peter. The night before Jesus' death, he's with the boys in the upper room. Jesus washes their feet. Jesus serves them as a humble servant by washing their feet. And then Jesus tells them, something's getting ready to go down. One of you is going to betray me, and the rest of you are going to leave me. And Peter, never being the one to kind of not speak up, which I can appreciate, he said, not me, Jesus. Not me. I'm with you. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I die tonight. I'm with you. I'm going with you. I'm side by side, tag team champions. I'm with you till forever. A couple of hours later, what do we see Peter doing? Three times. Denying Jesus three times. Spiritual high, spiritual low. So if you find yourself in a spiritual low this morning, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay. We're in good company. <laughs> We're in good company today if we find ourselves in a spiritual low. What do all these stories have in common that leads to a spiritual low? Two things. Number one, they all have fear in common. Every one of them have fear. Elijah feared for his life because he thought Jezebel was going to kill him. David feared that word would get out that he had, he was, he had committed adultery and had, Elijah, or had Uriah, um, Bathsheba's husband, killed. Uh, who was the next one, y'all? John the Baptist, fear. He was in prison, afraid he was going to die. Uh, Peter, feared for his life because if they're going to kill Jesus, if they know I'm with Jesus, guess what? They're going to cut me up too. Fear. Second thing they all have in common, every one of them were isolated. Every one of them were by themselves. Remember, Elijah left his servant, and then he went a day's journey ahead by himself. David was in the palace by himself when all the other kings were out fighting the battle. Peter was by himself because all the other uh, disciples had fleed. They all scattered. They all ran, and he didn't want to be known as Jesus' disciple. They were by themselves. Can I encourage you, kind of sarcastically encourage you this morning? If you want to see your spiritual high become a spiritual low, live life alone. Live life by yourself. Stop talking to people. Stop coming to church. Stop singing together. Stop serving together. Stop giving together. Stop praying together. If you want your spiritual high to become a spiritual low, isolate yourself. However, the other side of that, if you want your spiritual low to become a spiritual high, can I encourage you strongly to be a part of a community, to be a part of a family, to pray together, to serve together, to worship together, to give together, that goes together, helps together, that lives life together. You want to grow in your relationship with God. We've been talking about growing in our spiritual life. You want to grow in your spiritual life. It has to be done with other people. I need Ken's help to help me grow. And guess what? You need mine. I need you and you need me. If I were to separate myself from you, guess what? Spiritual life goes straight down. Can we make a commitment together? 
if you don't hear from me from a couple weeks, come find me. Because <laughs> I'm probably in a situation where I need your help much more than what you actually know. And I will do the same for you. And we will do the same for each other. Amen. Amen. All right, so how do we fight for our faith? How do we fight to get from our spiritual low to a spiritual high? Number one is be a part of a community. That's why it's so important that I believe that we, that you are here every single Sunday, that you can be. Obviously, I know sickness happens, travel happens, work happens, I get all that. But we need you here. You need to be a part of a believers, a part of a community, a part of a family that love you, that care for you, that share with you, that helps you, and that you help them. We need you here. Not so you can be another part, another number that we check off a box, but we need you here because guess what? The uh, Corinthians tells us that we're all part of a body. We need you here because we need some ears here in the church. We need some noses here in the church. We need some kneecaps here in the church. Lord knows we need a couple big toes here in the church. We're all in it together. We're all part of one body. We're one family serving one God, worshiping one Lord today. And we need each other to complete what God wants us to do here. If you take off a part of the body, the body's not complete. And there's going to be certain things the body can't do because it's not complete. And the same is true here at the church. The second thing to do, how to fight for your faith, is we need to talk to dad. We need to talk to the father. Let's look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This is David's response after he committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba. So what happened is this guy named Nathan called out David. He said, David, listen, you're in the wrong. You slept with a married woman. You had her husband killed. You're in the wrong. You need to make it right. And so this is what David wrote after Nathan told him that. Psalm 51. Take some time this week and read the whole thing. If you've never read it, really good psalm. We're just going to read four verses. It says this. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, and so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. There is David's start of his prayer after his sin with Bathsheba. Can I encourage you, if you find yourself today at the bottom of the spiritual, spiritual life, to get back up to the top, we do it together, and we do it by talking to the Father. Read that whole psalm sometime. That's David simply in prayer. That's David crying out to God, telling God what happened, asking for God's help, pleading to God to do for him what only God can do for him and that no one else can. David talked to the father. Several years ago, I was at youth camp during the summer. Um, this may have been like five years ago, six years ago, four years ago, sometime. It was the last day of youth camp. I always remember the last day of youth camp because that's the best day of youth camp. Um, however, the students at youth camp don't like the last day because they've been there for a week. So what do you got to do the last day? Clean up. You got 30 kids, 30 middle school and high school boys living in one cabin. 
Can you imagine the mess that is in that cabin? <laughs> I can, because I've seen it. Um, so nobody likes the last day of camp except the adults. So we're all cleaning up. Kids hate to clean up. Those of you that have kids and try to get them to clean up around their house, times that by, I don't know, 25, and you've got youth camp on Friday afternoon. Um, so I'm there trying to get encourage the kids to clean their stuff up. Callie calls me. She said, Michael, you need to talk to TJ. I said, what is it? She said, he's going slap crazy. I said, Callie, I really don't have time right now. I'm trying to get these punks over here to clean their dirty socks up. She said, Michael, you've got to talk to him. I said, tell him to FaceTime me. They were at Walmart. Apparently, TJ was in a bad mood or something. The way three- and four-year-olds are sometimes. <laughs> the way 40-year-olds are sometimes. Amen. Uh, and so I said, tell him to FaceTime me. So here I am looking at my phone, talking to TJ. All I see, because he didn't know where to hold the phone at this time, so all I see is like from the bridge of his nose up. Um, and I said, TJ, what's wrong, buddy? He said, Dad, I'm not happy. I said, what's wrong? He said, I don't know why I'm not happy. I'm just not happy. I said, okay, buddy. I said, just talk to me for a couple of minutes. He said, okay. I said, you go to Walmart? He said, yeah. I said, you walk through the toy aisle? He said, yeah. I said, you see some cool toys? He said, yeah. I saw some dragons and some dinosaurs and some balls and whatever else. I said, you and mom on the way home now? He said, yeah. I said, we stopped by cookout. We're on the way home now. I said, what you going to do when you get home? He said, I don't know. I said, maybe you and mom can go swimming when you get home, maybe. I said, you have to ask mom first. So we talked, shot the breeze for 10 minutes. Guess what? Completely calm. Completely changed his thought process of what he was thinking about, about not being happy before. And guess what did it? It wasn't me talking to dad. That was it. I didn't tell him anything that changed his life. <laughs> I didn't tell him anything substantial. He just simply talked to dad. If you today find yourself at the bottom of your spiritual life, there's nothing better that you could do than to talk to dad. Now you may say, today, I'm not a praying person. Start being a praying person. You may say, I don't, I don't like taking time and praying out loud or start taking time to pray out loud. You may say, you don't feel comfortable praying out loud. Get comfortable praying out loud. Right? Prayer is what activates heaven here on earth. We see it in the Lord's Prayer, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For that to happen is done through prayer. For your life to change is done through prayer. For your spiritual low to become a spiritual high is done through prayer. We see that model in Jesus' life. We see Jesus does a miracle, he prays. Feeds 5,000, he prays. Walks on water, he prays. The same is true for us. If Jesus needed prayer time, I think today it's safe to say that it could do us some good in our lives. Amen. Can I encourage you to talk to dad? Number three, to get your spiritual low to a spiritual high and how to fight for your faith, you have to make a commitment. You have to make a commitment. You know what a commitment is? It's a decision with action. It's a decision with action. Just to make a decision does you no good. I'm going to lose weight. Great. 
let's go eat 1.4 billion chicken wings tonight. Does us no good, right? However, if I make a decision and then follow it up with a salad tonight, guess what? That's a commitment. On sometime in August 2008, Callie made a decision to marry your boy. Then we had a wedding. We had the action of a wedding. That was a commitment to marry your boy. The best day of her life. (laughs) By far. That was her Super Bowl Sunday. A decision is a, a commitment is a decision with action. Maybe you want to make a commitment to read the word more. Maybe that commitment requires you to wake up a little earlier or go to bed a little later or not spend as much time watching TV or not spend as much time on your phone or not spend as much time out with a friend. Maybe you have to make a change in your priorities so that you can read the word a little more and that's good. That's a commitment. It's a decision with action. If you make a decision to grow in your spiritual life, there should be some evidence in your physical life that that decision has been made, then it turns into a commitment. Does that make sense? For us to grow in our spiritual lives, we have to do it together. We can't isolate ourselves. We have to talk to the Father, and we have to make a commitment. We have to decide that your faith is worth fighting for. Just like that seven-pound trophy, them boys are going to be going crazy to get tonight, and that $35,000 ring Your faith is worth fighting for because one day your faith will become your reality. With our faith in the Lord, the word teaches us with our faith and trust and salvation in the Father, in God in heaven, the word teaches us that leads to heaven in eternity. One day our faith becomes our reality. That's why it's so important that you fight for your faith. So if you find yourself today with a spiritual low, one quick question. How bad do you want to have a spiritual high? How bad do you want it? Are you willing to change your priorities? Are you willing to do things that you haven't done before? Are you willing to practice at the Christian life? Are you willing to put in the work and reading the word and trusting the Father and giving and serving and worshiping and do all those things together? Are you willing to do what it takes for you to get your spiritual low to become a spiritual high? It's a fight. One last thing. You can do all those things and still be in a spiritual low because it's you doing them. But when God does it, through us. That's where the prayer part comes in. That's where talking to dad is so important. When God is leading us to be more in the word, when God is leading us to give more, to serve more, to pray more, to be a community more, when God is doing that through us, then you will start to see your spiritual life grow. All those people we talked about 20 minutes ago, 
Elijah was remembered as one of the best prophets and never died, never tasted death. David is remembered as the best king of Israel, and he was known as a man after God's own heart. Peter was the eventually become the rock of the church, the leader of the church. John the Baptist was the one that, was, that is known today as being the one that prepared the way to get everything ready for Jesus Christ to come to this place. If you're in a spiritual low today, it is not the end of your story. There are better days ahead. There are better days ahead. Your spiritual low is not the end. There are better days ahead. Amen? Let's stand together. Come on up, band. Let's pray together. God, again, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you how your word changes us. We thank you how your word leads us, how your word directs us. And we thank you that we see in your word that there are people, much like us, who find themselves in spiritual lows. There are people who aren't perfect. There are people who have their life as a mess. There are people who need your help. God, thank you that we see people just like us. But God, thank you that we also see how you changed their life. How you were the one that led their spiritual low into being a spiritual high. How you were the one that made a shift. You were the one that made a change in their life. So God, we pray today. We need that today. If you're with us this morning, I just want to pray for you real quickly. No one looking around. If you would say today is a spiritual low time for you and you just want to be prayed for, can you just raise your hand real quickly? Anybody at all? I see you. I got you. I got you. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. You know the lives. God, I pray today that you would move in our lives. God, I pray today that we would put our faith, our hope, our trust in you and in you alone. And God, you would grow our faith. We can plant it, we can water it, but God, you're the one that grows it. So God, I pray today that wherever you lead, we would follow. I pray today that we would find you in community. I pray today we would find you in prayer. And I pray today we'd find you in our commitment to you and knowing you and knowing you better. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.